This unrestricted podcast is brought to you by Douglas and Todd Bourbon, a Minnesota-made through-and-through bourbon. It is made, manufactured, grown, distilled, bottled, all right here in the great state of Minnesota, but not exclusive for Minnesota drinkers. You can go to douglasandtodd.com, find the store locator in the upper right-hand corner, and find the nearest liquor store that supplies Douglas and Todd throughout the country. That's right. It's an award-winning, a gold medal-winning bourbon made right from the great state of Minnesota, distributed across the country. I'm not going to get into all the notes. I'm not that qualified to tell you all the notes of caramel and oakiness and all that stuff. Just trust me. It's the best bourbon that you're ever going to have. It's made right here in the great state of Minnesota. Douglas and Todd Bourbon at douglasandtodd.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another week here on Unrestricted. I'm your host, Ben Lieber. I hope you guys had a fantastic and wonderful, wonderful week. Uh, My guest this week, uh, his name is Todd Durkin. Todd Durkin is the owner of Fitness Quest 10 Gym in San Diego. I first met Todd when he was a masseuse for our San Diego Chargers football team. He and his staff would come in uh, once a week. And, uh, and give us massages. And that's the first time that I had met Todd. And when you meet him and you hear him, you instantly sort of gravitate towards his energy. And from there, through other references and recommendations from guys on the team, I started going to Fitness Quest 10 uh, in the off season to do all of my off season training. Uh, he is a two-time personal trainer of the year, uh, men's health, has awarded his gym right there in Scripps Ranch, California as a top 10 gym in America. He's been featured on NBC Strong, which is now on Netflix. He's authored three books. Uh, He's a a nationally and globally recognized motivational speaker. Uh, Some of his clients include uh, certainly not just myself. I'm lowest on the totem pole, but we're talking Drew Brees. He's Drew Brees' personal trainer for most of Drew's career. Uh, Carson Palmer, uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Darren Sproles, Gerald McCoy, LaDainian Tomlinson, uh, Cole Hamels, uh, Steven Strasburg, uh, Zach and Julie Ertz. I mean, the the list of high-profile athletes goes on and on and on. And uh, it was great for him to take the, the precious time out of his day to sit down with me to talk to you guys just about his life, how it got going, and, and some of the key factors that he finds out in, uh, of successful people, not just athletes, but also business people, investors, things of that nature. Um, he's the guy that has seen it all. He's pushed the greatest of greats to be even greater, and I think that you're going to love his conversation. So here he is, Todd Durkin on Unrestricted. TD, what's happening, my man? Ben Lieber, man. It's great to catch up. It is great to catch up. Uh, it's good to see you. Um, so let me go through. I'm going to pump your tires a little bit. And, and I know that you've done a lot of these things, and this is just kind of the customary thing to do. But this, let me go through the long list <laughs> of accolades so my listeners know exactly who you are. All right. So And, and feel free when I'm done to add, delete, uh, change anything. Okay. So you're the owner of Fitness Quest 10, which uh, for full disclosure is the, is the gym that I trained at with you uh, when I, in my playing days in San Diego. Um, Men's Health, top 10 gym in America. Pretty impressive. Uh, two-time personal trainer of the year. You're an Under Armour uh, representative on their training team. You're featured on NBC's uh, Strong program, which is now on Netflix. You've authored three books, Get Your Mind Right, The Wow Book, The Impact Body Plan, and I'm going to keep going. You're a glo- globally recognized <laughs> motivational speaker. Um, you've got your uh, your own Todd Durkin Impact Podcast, which you can find at ToddDurkin.com. Uh, got your degrees from William & Mary in Virginia and then your master's from San Diego State. And my goodness, you've trained kind of the who's who of not just the NFL, but baseball, Olympics, um, you know, women's sports. You've kind of done it all, Todd. You got you got anything else to add there? I yeah, including Ben Lieber, the one and only Ben Lieber, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I'm no, at the bottom you. of that clientele list. No, no, thank you, Ben. I appreciate that introduction. Uh, that just means I've been around for a long time. <laughs> Literally uh, started started the gym year 2000. And, um, you know, when I was done with my football career, I ended my, my uh, career with a, a serious back injury and I was playing overseas and uh, three herniated discs, spinal stenosis, degenerative back disease. I always dreamt of playing in the NFL. And when that, when that happened, I went on this long circuitous route, uh, which eventually led me into the training world. Even though I had my degree in kinesiology and massage therapy backgrounds and everything else, I eventually, five years after that injury, uh, opened up the shingle here with no clients, no money, no business plan. And I just wanted to help people. And it was just a few years later, Ben, when, when even you started coming in, LT was my first guy and then Drew. And then um, and from there, the rest was history. But, you know, it's funny when you, when you hear that, it just honestly, got, I've had some great people around me uh, on all levels, coaches, mentors, uh, teammates, colleagues. And uh, even to this day now, 21 years after opening up my own business, it's like, okay, looking for how do I get to the next level? What can I do to, to get better? Yeah. Was, was the, the sports injuries, was that the impetus for learning more about your body or were growing up, were you always sort of fascinated the mechanics of like how your body worked and, and how to optimize everything? Uh, growing up, no, I, I want to be an athlete. I was a quarterback, grew up in New Jersey, youngest of eight kids. And for me, we didn't have the money. So I was like, I got to get a scholarship if I want to go to college and had some great opportunities coming out of school. And um, even in school, I didn't know what I wanted to study until my junior year. I took an anatomy class and got fascinated. I'm like, man, this kinesiology program would be awesome. But you got to realize now uh, I'm 50. So 1992, I was like, well, if you get your degree in kinesiology, which is a brand new you know, major, all I could hear in my, my, my head was my dad's voice. Well, what are you going to do? Be a, a gym teacher and a coach? I'm like, was there something wrong with that? <laughs> like, well, right. Yeah. But you, you know, I, I understand where he's coming from. Your parents want you to like be a, a doctor, super successful, make a lot of money and all this other stuff. And they're like, kinesiology, like what? Right. What that? So I ultimately talked to at that point a mentor, and um, she said that you've got to follow your gut. And I, I changed my major from at first it was government because I want to be the president of the United States. <laughs> and Come then, on. you're not. Yeah, gonna... yeah, yeah. Still thinking about it, right? And then I went to a business, and then I was like, you know what? I didn't like accounting. That, that weeded me out of the business program, and it ended up in the Kines, and I loved it. And I realized uh, that there are some opportunities. So fast forward when the injury happened i only was thinking about of how i could be an athlete at the time but fortunately i did have an education behind me and i was always fascinated by the body studying the body studying you know biomechanics and and seeing how i can improve performance i like the performance side but like was i going to become a chiropractor or a physical therapist or a doctor or i really was considering uh a coach, like as a, as either a high school or, or college football coach. But then I got sidetracked. I literally was getting ready to go to the grad school down at Auburn and uh, in, in, in study exercise science down there. And I met this entertainer. His name was Michael King. And Michael was the uh, owner of King World Productions. Now, King World Productions produced Oprah Winfrey, Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy. And Michael had a bad back. And I had just recovered from a bad back. He's like, why are you going to Auburn University? If you want to go into fitness and health and sports, you need to come out to the West Coast. Because I was in New Jersey rehabbing at the time. I'm like, man, I don't, I don't like Cali. I'm not a West Coast guy. And he's like, no, listen, if you want to get into fitness, everything happens on the West Coast and SoCal. You come out there, I'll take you under my wing and I'll introduce you to everybody. I'm like, no, I'm good. I got everything taken care of. I got a, an apartment over in Auburn. I was two weeks away from going to Auburn. And uh, Michael's like, listen, you come out to Malibu and if you don't like it, I'll pay for grad school. I'm like, whoa, all right, I'll go to Malibu. So I chose Malibu over over Auburn. And that started my trajectory uh, here. And now I'm, I'm based in San Diego, California, and I travel all over the country. But uh, that's that's what started me in the whole fitness world, so to speak. Well, that's so fascinating that that 
whenever you talk to somebody that has a successful business, there's always, if not a handful of people, there's always at least one person that says, hey, man, whether whether he intentionally wanted to be your mentor or just became a mentor, but can you imagine your life without running into this guy? You know, I mean, your, your life is completely changed by the your back injury and and he needing some assistance in the back recovery as well. And you providing that, that assistance. And he just happened to be the, the yeah. guy that knows how to make everything work in the West coast. Yeah, Ben, you're, you're, you're right on. You're exactly right. Um, it's funny because I, I think looking back now, it's easy to see why, but I was very lost at that point in my life. Honestly, I, I, I was, so you were how old, how old were you at this? I point? was 25 when the back injury happened. When I met him, I was 26, Yeah, but I was like, my purpose from five to 25 was I wanted to be an NFL football player. And, and that never materialized. So after that happened, I was like searching for my, like what's next in life kind of thing. And looking back, it's, it's funny how the universe works, but I do believe that God put me in that situation because it really wasn't Michael King that changed my trajectory. Although he was the first one when I was out in LA, I met a guy who was a body worker, a rolfer and yep. he was a rolfer and structural integration and energy work. And he became my mentor in the body work field. Cause I already had my undergrad in kinesiology. I'd already been to massage therapy school and, and everything. But next thing I know, I'm going through all these rolfing courses and, and learning this body work. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. But what really helped me was he got me off essentially a Vicodin addiction because I was still in pain from my back injury. So mm -hmm. I was still taking Vicodin and anti-inflammatories. And this guy named Dub Lee, who created this, this whole work called Zen Body Therapy, he's the one who took my, at that time, my hands-on body work to another level. And at that point, I was like, man, I'll tell you what, I, I didn't necessarily love L.A., but it was the reason why I was brought to the West Coast was to beat this guy. And I ultimately decided to go back to grad school in what I was going to go to Auburn for initially, because I knew that someday my master's degree would come in handy. So I got my training from my new mentor, Double E. So I went from Michael King to Double E and now down to San Diego for grad school. And San Diego State obviously provided that program. So then you get done with San Diego State. And then, you know, I, I read in, in your in your latest book that that you and your wife had sort of this fork in the road moment um, mm -hmm. on the Coronado Bridge where you have to make a decision if you're going to go back up to the northern part of L.A. to take a job or you're going to stay back with her and mm -hmm. kind of continue your, your life there and, and ultimately open your gym. Yeah. Um, you know, could you describe and, and kind of go through that moment again for for people that haven't read that book that again, another pivotal point in your life that which is, you know, 20 some odd years later, you're still there. Yeah, fork in the road moment is exactly what it was. And I think, heck, even even now for everyone listening in, many people are fork in the road moments, like decisions of like, which direction do I go in my career, my relationships, my whatever it is, fork in the road moment number one there was like I just finished grad school and I got offered a, a, a teaching position as a strength and conditioning coach full tenure track position so it was a tenure track position as a professor at a college in LA I'm like great position so now I'm 20 28 years old and finished grad school but my wife my at that time girlfriend had been offer the exact same position a week before in San Diego as a, as a professor in the exercise science department in San Diego. So if I took that spot in LA, I knew that relationship with my, my girlfriend at the time would be over. And frankly, I didn't want to go back to LA either because I hated LA. I didn't really like LA. Although <laughs> I was, I had a great clientele and, and I, I just wasn't an LA guy. And um, I decided that I was not going to take that. And when I turned that job down, people looked at me sideways like, wait a second, you're, you're, no one turns these job downs. So I'm like, listen, I'm sorry, my gut, I, I'm not going to take it. And I was lost for a few months thinking, like, uh, was that stupid? Like, I literally just turned down a full-time tenure track position, making good money for the first time, like a solid career. And I'm going to try to start a business. And 
I didn't know anything about business. When I say I didn't know anything about business, I did not know anything about business. It was all about, you know, training and strength and conditioning and uh, everything on the, on the, on the school side, but from running a business standpoint, and I stumbled across a, a little retail shop 15 miles away from where I was living one day. And all of a sudden I took a chance and uh, took a chance on what's the worst that's going to happen is I was going to fail. I literally had nothing, Ben. I don't know if you remember, because I still had it probably when I was training you. I had this 1987 Volvo, velour hanging down from the, the ceiling. Like I, I would put like $5 of gas in the thing because I didn't have any money in my wallet to fill it up. And I was like, what worse that happens is they repossess my old car. I had an apartment and I took a chance and that chance paid off. You know, I think that that's a great segue into what I wanted to get to get into as well. Like I, I alluded to, you know, reading, reading your latest book, get your mind right, the 10 keys to unlock your potential, ignite your success. And the one thing that um, one of the many things that sort of resonated with me that that I kind of learned through my own football journey was you have this whole section there about attacking your fears. Mm. Like, and I can't imagine the fear and the self-doubt that you had at that moment of like, I'm going to just go ahead and open this business. Uh, I don't really know what I'm doing. I believe in my, in myself as far as being a trainer, but as far as being a business owner is a whole different thing. <laughs> like I can't, my brother's a chiropractor. And that's the one thing he said, come out of chiropractor school. He's like, they don't teach you how to run business. That's right. They teach you how to adjust. They teach you how the body works but they ship you off, give you a diploma and say, good luck opening your own place. And they're like, I don't know how to do that. You know, and I'm sure, I'm sure your world's pretty much the same thing, but you know, what is it about finding success that is so closely connected to the way that you identify and attack fears? Mm. Yeah, man, I'll tell you what. Um, well, there's a lot of people facing fear right now and fear is, is uh, it could either paralyze you or it could propel you. It either propels you or it paralyzes you. And it can do both, right? Uh, when you look at, at fear on um, that, back then I was fearful that I was, gonna, I was gonna lose everything I got until one of my friends said, you got nothing. So you might as well, might as well take that chance. Um, so you I've were learned, kind of at, you were kind of at rock bottom anyway. <laughs> I was, but I didn't realize that because that's all I had. Like I, I was like, what do you? What am I gonna lose? But like, isn't it funny? You try to hold on to everything you got, and then even now, like twenty one years later, when I since I started the business, like in a weird way, I sometimes like being in that position where you're a little bit of fear in you. Like you got you got something where you do your best work when you, you're backed up against a wall. Cause there've been times in my life when you get a little too comfy and cozy and you're like, ah, there's another level. And I, I don't want to play mediocre. I, I, there's something else there. And honestly, I remember, and heck you trained with Ladanian Tomlinson, mm -hmm. 2006, he won the MVP. And I remember after that year, we sat down in my office and I remember having the conversation is what's next. What's next. You just, you're at the top of the, the top of the mountain. How, how do you stay motivated? And I've even thought about that uh, sometimes in, in my careers, like, you know, I've, I've tasted some successes in, in the fitness industry and in sports training industry, but there's gotta be, there's gotta be another level. There's gotta be something else. And, and then fear creeps in of like, man, you don't need to do this. You don't need to leap. Ben, I, I recently, even in the past six months, have taken risks to even play, hopefully at what will be a deeper level. I'm doing more speaking outside of our industry. I'm doing a lot of motivational speaking right now, primarily and virtual, but I've actually been doing some live events. I started that podcast, like you said, like you have. Um, I'm doing more coaching in the life coaching realm with men um, and women, but people who want to get to the next level, who've tasted success, but know there's there's more there. To me, that the, that unknown has always been where I've done my best work, but it's scary, right? When you when you want to go to another level. I mean, that's how I've that's that's what I've been able to do in my career. And I like being at that level. I call these gaps, these gaps in your, you know, you, you hit a level and then you jump and there's this gap. And that gap is like, you know, the fear, the unknown of, you know, are you going to be paralyzed or are you going to be are you going to be propelled to the next level? So where do you go? 
you have all this wealth of knowledge when it comes to body work and how to how to get at the guys of like Drew Brees and Ladanian Tomlinson and and uh, and some of these Olympians. You can get in their mindset and you can help them out because that's your expertise. But now as you're starting to venture out and to do more like life coaching and stuff like that, like where do you what where do you gain that knowledge from? Is it just from your experiences in the, in the training industry, or are you are you you know, trying to digest as much as you can from other podcasts? Are you reading a lot of books? Are you talking to other experts? Like, where are you getting that sort of that sort of knowledge base to to propel mm -hmm. other people? Well, I've always been a huge believer in personal growth, and personal growth for for me as an individual, me as a man, as a husband, as a father. Like you were talking about earlier on, like when 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 I became a parent 18 years ago, there wasn't a book that was handed like, hey, here's how to be a great dad. You know, you figure it out. But I think like when you think about success and, and what you want out of life, personal growth, it's like you can only go as far as you grow. So I do literally spend a lot of time. I try to invest an hour a day between morning, during my workout, and at night, total time in some form of personal growth. And now for me, as a man of faith, personal growth also involves my, my spiritual walk, like so in the early morning routine. And then during my workout, my cardio aspect, I'm listening to a podcast um, and trying to get my own mind right. And then later on in the evening, part of my nighttime routine is in reading a book uh, on, it could be business, it could be, it could be on training or something around the body, or it could be um, not related to either of those in relationships. I'm reading uh, John Gordon's Relationship Grit right now. Um, so when you ask where I get that knowledge from, I'm always trying to just grow myself because the times I'm stuck in life is when I'm not growing. If I'm not reading, I'm not listening to podcasts, I'm not growing, I'm not attending live events, then I'm stuck and I can't help people get unstuck. So when I'm actually working with people, it's not just me sharing what I know, but honestly, the truth and the wisdom comes from the person I'm talking with. I think part of being a great coach is listening to what one is saying and not just really what they need, but if they're struggling with a relationship with their spouse mm. and that's hanging them up, listen, then, then we got to really address how do we be a better man or a better woman um, so we can get the relationship department right because you, you can lose it all real quick if you're not investing your time in that or in business, like you're stuck at a certain level. And, you know, whether that be you're making $100,000 a year, $250,000 a year, half a million a year, or 20 million a year. To me, the one thing I've learned is there's not much difference between an elite pro athlete and a mom or dad who has the same mindset of they want to be their best. The, the gifts of an athlete is they have the gift of being an athlete, but the mindset of being their best is the same as, as an, an entrepreneur or an engineer or a, a police officer or, or firefighter. It's that mindset of, I want to be my best. To me, I like to unlock the key inside and all of success starts on the inside. So how do we get our insides right? Our heart, our head, and what I call our hara, right? The head, the heart, and the hara. If we can align those things and make sure internally we're, we're all uh, aligned, then we can go shine in whatever the, the career track that you're in. When did you realize that you're not just training people's bodies, that you're also sort of a psychologist as well <laughs> and a psychiatric therapist? Because I'm sure a lot of people like hairdressers, they probably unload on you or you get to know them after all these training sessions and you're like, yeah, I, I kind of have to get to know, you know, give some uh, some you know worldly advice here and, uh, and some deeper advice other than, you know, yelling at you to get the next rep. Yeah. Early on, actually, Ben, early on, and, and you trained with LT, but I remember LT telling me something early on before you were training. It's like, he's like, I want to be the best to ever play the game. Mm. And when I looked at him and, and, and the way he said it, he was convicted to be that and what i've learned over the years is everyone has dreams inside of them now whether you fulfill those dreams or not or whether an lt is the best to play the game or, or not is not what's important it's to have a dream that literally fuels you to play at your best level 
That's really important. So for you, Ben, when saying, hey, I want to do Pilates on Monday nights after the games to feel stretched out and you never missed a late afternoon session, because I remember those you doing your stretching on on the Cadillac and the reformer and getting your hips right and not just always training hard. Like you have conversations with people about where they're at. Like that's an important aspect of life. And then you start having conversations about, hey, how's your marriage going? And when a man tells you he opens up about where they're struggling, now all of a sudden, like, it doesn't matter how much money you're making or how much success that you've had, the accolades you've had. It's like, you better get your, your marriage right or the things you're doing on the weekends that you're doing those right as well. The lesson I've learned throughout the years is you have real frank conversations, man, man to man or man to woman of like, where are you at with life? How's your walk and your faith doing? How's your, how, how's your mindset doing? Where, where's your heart at? And when you have those conversations with people and people open up, that's where the, where the secret sauce, that's where the magic's at. Then it becomes a, a conversation of I'm texting them, whether it be scripture or motivational verses or crazy videos that you've gotten before of like, you hoo yeah, you know who it is. I'm not working you right now. And you're in people's heads. To me, so much of it is, is getting in one's head and one's heart and really finding out what makes them tick because every man, every woman has insecurities. Yeah. Whatever those insecurities are, we got to find what they are and we got to make sure that we can uh, deal with them so they don't ultimately hold you back from being the best version that you want to be. You know, I, I think the one thing that I really appreciated about your gym, and, and I'm going to guess that this was intentional, that the professional athletes and what i'll just say quote unquote the 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 normal people like the non-professional athletes they all train in the same space yeah you know so if you go to fitness quest 10 um there's a group of yeah there, there might be a group of, of professional athletes but they're also right you know a step or two away on the machine next to some mom that is squeezing in a an hour workout after she dropped off her kids and she goes on to her next thing um I think that's so fascinating that we want to separate so much of this world and that world. Mm. But I like that that component of your gym, that it was we're all in this together. Mm. We're, if you're if you're if, if your body's here, that means you want to be here. So we're all like like minded. Now, we might be doing something a little bit more intense and you might be you know going. We might be pushing a sled and you're not pushing a sled. But still, there, there were a lot of times where we we're pushing sleds with normal people, too. You know, guys are like, hey, let's I want to jump in and that like, yeah, let's do it. Let's jump in. Like, was was that by design? It was by default at first, and then it became by design. Default meaning again, when I was starting out, I didn't have the money to open up this big warehouse for athlete performance only. Yeah. And, and I didn't I didn't even train athletes when I first opened up. Like anyone that wanted to train with me, I would train. So I would have Donna Dickinson at eight o'clock, LT at nine o'clock, Kathy and Carter Peace at 10 o'clock, Reggie Bush at 11 o'clock. Like it was, it was all over the place. It was because that's what I needed to do. But then I realized is they're all seeking the same thing. They just want to be their best. And yeah. now the mom or grandma, she just wanted to burn stress and, 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 and get her health back and make sure she could play tennis on the weekends. Whereas, an athlete like yourself wanted to be the best they could be. After time went by several times, people were like, did you ever consider having like an athlete performance only facility? You know, a big warehouse, eight, 10, 12,000 square feet. And I actually looked into that. But then I had people saying, you know, your secret sauce actually is keeping it small where the energy is contagious and positive and people are literally tripping over each other and, and talking to each other and, and the athletes realize they're gleaning motivation from the grandmas and the grandmas are gleaning motivation from the athletes. And after thinking about it, I'm like, they're absolutely right. So at first it was really by default. And then after several years of just training people in the same space, it was all about just being the best that you could possibly be. And it didn't matter what your title was, what your job was. It was, I'm just trying to be the best I can be. And I'm using training as a vehicle, as a mechanism to get my body and my mind right. Yeah. And, and I think that um, the, the non-athletes, 
that had to have been an awesome bragging thing too, right? If you're doing a set and Reggie Bush reaches over and daps you up like, good job, you know? And you're like, that doesn't happen every day, you know? Like, that doesn't happen at other gyms, but it, it certainly happens at your place. Let me go back to the, um, the conversation that you had with LT. So when he comes into your office and you guys are saying like, hey, let's, how do you want to attack this next, this next year? What do you want? And he says, I want to be the best ever. Do, is there a little bit of pressure on you that says, man, God, I, I had this, I had this workout routine and I had this plan for him, but now I've got to just reevaluate that. You know, he's now relying on you to say, take me to the next level. You're already talking to a guy that's damn near the top of the top of the the heap as far as running backs go and as far as football players. What's that thought process for you as a wellness and a fitness coach to say, hmm? I got to take somebody that's already optimizing himself and I got to optimize him even more. At first, this is just real talk. It's, I was 35 years old, not at the top of my game. I hadn't had any special accolades or no one knows who I am, so to speak. Like, who am I? Who am I to take this guy to the top of the world in what he does? That, that's the negative self-talk, right? That we all have. It's yeah. like, who am I? I, I think like, that's normal though. It, it is. So it's this self-talk of like, well, how am I going to help him do that? Like, do I don't, I, I've never taken someone to the top of the game. Now, now I've done this for a while. So you're like, oh, you've done this. Well, just to, just remember there was that time uh, here. I am 35 years old. This is 2006 or so. And then I realized from that conversation all he was seeking was motivation to keep training the way he trained so that he could continue to improve. That if we could focus on the process of improvement, okay, what do we need to get better at? When I look at the tape, I see that you don't cut to the left as efficiently and fluidly as when you cut to the right. So that if I'm a smart linebacker like you were, Ben, is I know that I'm going to take, so I start looking at that. And I'm like, well, Ladanian, if we focus on these things this offseason and we can take your game just 1% better, think about how good we can be. Ah, oh, light bulb moment again. So every offseason, we look for those light bulb moments that it gives us the motivation to show up to train like anyone else, like that house mom or, or dad again that, that wants the motivation to train. Like what's going to get your butt out of bed at 6 o'clock in the morning or whatever you know time you're going to get up to train? No different. So it was myself overcoming stinking thinking that's going to rob me of like, wait, maybe I'm not the guy. No, no, Correct. no, no. You, you find out what makes him tick and then drop him. <laughs> I was going to say a text message, but 2006, there yeah, were yeah. text messages. <laughs> yeah. man. There wasn't an iPhone then. It's like, it's like, how can I get in his head to help him be the best that he could be? And now it's no different now, even with young athletes, or athletes in the league now, or young trainers who are looking uh, to be great, or a 50-year-old guy who's still seeking, like, maybe there's another level. Maybe there's something else I can find happiness in. What can I do? But it's scary uh, to give up what you've already achieved because there's another level that you think there's, there's there. But man, how do, I, how do I give up all that I've created in the last 25 years? So is is that sort of the same approach that you had with Drew? Because Drew had a similar conversation with you. I mean, he was coming off an injury. Um, you know, he he gets drafted by San Diego, and and there's some consternation with all like where he is on the, uh, you know, as far as this is he the starting quarterback? Is he not? Is he is he you know this guy's dude? Is he like where is he going to be at? Then you know shoulder injury and all this other stuff. And he's like, all right, enough of this BS. I need to I need to focus in. I have, I have dreams and aspirations. I'm not meeting those right now. Um, and then you two kind of collaborate on this whole thing. Was it the same similar approach that you had with LT as you had with Drew or is it a little bit different? Looking back, it was slightly different because Ben, you know Drew as well as I do. I trained Drew for 18 years. Running backs have short lives. I knew that, like, if I could get Ladanian to age 30, that's a pretty good life in, in, as a running back. But yeah. I knew as a quarterback, you know, they started together same year. It was 2003. They started training, believe it was, uh, 2003, 2004. And 
a quarterback at that time, if you have a 15 year career now, Drew ended up having a 20 year career, but if we can get him to 10 years plus, man, that'd be awesome. But y'all got to remember this for those of you that are football fans is Drew Brees didn't have a very successful start in his career. He did not. People forget that people forget he was benched in Kansas city. You you probably there, but like he was benched, but Drew always believed that he would become the starter again. I was there when he had his shoulder ripped out of his socket uh, against the Broncos. And after Dr. Andrews did the surgery, he walks in the fitness quest and a month later, he's like, the NFL comeback player of the year is coming to the house. I'm like, what? He may never play again. Drew, it was never about a motivational thing because he was very disciplined in his approach. With Drew, it was sitting down and creating a plan for what we were going to focus on in the offseason so that he could take his game to the next level. And there were a lot of years where he was in the zone. And for me, as someone who worked with him both in the weight room three to five times a week and several times a week on the field doing his conditioning and his his throwing work, um, it was about how do we continually tweak his routine to maintain or get to another level? Because no athlete, no even fitness performer loves us like train to maintain. We got to train to get to another level. Hey, we're just going to train to maintain this offseason. Not very motivating, not very exciting to train and maintain. But if there are holes that he can get better at visually, like film, film wise, core's got to strengthen up because I see some, some biomechanical linkages from the feet on up. And as, as someone gets older, uh, you, you start to accrue some injuries. So for Drew every year, it was the same thing. Sit down, assess where we're at. What do we got to get better at? Do we need to get on the field more. Do we need to do more body work? Uh, where is it? And then designing a program that was going to allow him to excel. You know, one of the things, uh, two things here, I always hated training with Drew. And I say, <laughs> I say, I say this, um, everybody be, else. Yeah. Just because my, my ego couldn't handle it. You, you see this guy that's, um, you know, not physically imposing. Um, he's not one of these shredded like running backs or wide receivers or defensive backs. Um, he just looks like a dude, right? And then we go out and train together and we're running that stupid hill over by your, your place. And he's like a machine. He doesn't stop, you know, and, he, and we're running these hill intervals. And then he jogs back as if he's just jogging to there. So he's got this he's he's still ready for a workout then we go in your gym we do our we do our stuff and that son of a gun is leading every single group it didn't matter if you are a running back that runs a 4-3 you're a linebacker that can bench 400 pounds it didn't matter what it was he was always leading at the front of the group and I'm like this guy doesn't stop and you're, mm-hmm. you're pissing me off because because I'm trying to keep up with you, and uh, the little quarterback is just uh, is like the Energizer Bunny. Um, yeah, it, it's um, it was insane uh, to work out with him, and I know that intensity comes off on the field. I think I don't think people really realize how intense he trains in the off season. Um, but that's that's not really the the point of what I'm talking about. I. I think the one thing that set your approach away from the other trainers that I've ever had is you had and you developed this deal where we would go through an intense training exercise. And then at the end of the exercise, that's when you wanted us to turn our brains on. You know, we were doing, ex, you know, fine motor skills. You were flipping, you were flipping playing cards to us. You know, we we're having handball competitions. We were, you know, having these competitions on the rebounder where all of a sudden now you've got to fire your, your quick twitch. You were giving us, um, you know, memory things, number games, things that we had to fire our brains. That threw me for a loop, dude. Like, I'm just trying to catch some air and try not to see stars and not trying to fall over. And then you're asking me to use my brain. Like, where, where did that aspect of training uh, come into fold for you or like, I got to push these guys mentally when they're the most fatigued. Well, that goes full circle way back, Ben, in being an athlete, I understand as a football player, the metabolic demands when you're playing a game of how physically exhausting it is to play a game. So when I reflected upon my career, of why I was hurt and, and questioned that 
when I started training pro athletes, it became a godsend that I got hurt and now was able to take what I always wanted to do and work with athletes because I understood the demands of the game. And I got intrigued by not just training of doing like Olympic lifts and cleans and squats and presses and things that, you know, we did and I still do with, with the guys, but, but how do you train at a high level, but mentally stay focused late in the fourth quarter? How, when the, when the game is on the line, how do you have the edge? Because we have left no stone unturned in the training because I've always said, you know, the more you bleed in training, what was it? The more you, you, the more you prepare in training, the less you bleed in war. And when you think about your preparation in training, I always looked at like, how can you metabolically strength, speed, power, endurance, how do you train to replicate the demands of a football game? And the thing that goes first when you physically go is your brain. You, you get tired. So you yeah. say, man, I'm tired. Man, I'm tired. And you start saying, I'm tired. And you start slouching over. You get your tail whooped. So for me, I'm like, when they're, ta- when they're tired is when I really want to amp up like they're thinking and get all their brain synapses firing. So I talk about get your mind right. A lot of things I do this day to not only the athletes, but everybody is, all right, we're going to play a game right now and make you think while you're tired. Yeah. You're, you're my kids. Like it's, <laughs> these are the things that make it fun because you're, how do you have, are you supposed to catch this, this card that's flitting around, by the way, I, I think I've revealed since you've, retired is i used to have a fan on that would shoot the card all over the place to make it harder oh, you no one ever knew that i had a fan <laughs> all over the place to make it harder as as ben is dying rolling right now but to me it was always about as a coach what can i do to maximally prepare an athlete to be the best they could do and and that that deserved the needed trust first so i had to get the trust of an athlete that everything i do i'm not going to put you in a situation to injure you but i want to get you better but i've also said that an athlete especially a pro athlete there's a fine line between failure and stupidity versus like mvp performances it's like a thoroughbred you're 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 one race away from being euthanized because you're always going at a high high hard level as an athlete you're also really close to pulling a hamstring or, or getting hurt when you're training at that level. So it's understanding the demands physically, mentally, all the different aspects of life, because if you're stressed on the outside world, or you got things going on again with your relationships, or you've been out partying, that's going to affect the quality of your, of your training session. So I always looked at it very comprehensively of what can we do to maximize a session? Yeah. And I, I found that super valuable, even though it was frustrating. I mean, super frustrating when you're trying to do these things and you're already, you're, you're already gassed out, but you know, I, I love that how you took your own playing experience and what you've um, and the things that you thought about into the training aspect of it, because that's so true. I mean, even, even now, so my, my favorite cardio workout that I do now is I go to this boxing gym. And it's, you know, it's, it's title boxing, it's eight rounds, three minute rounds. And it's funny how in the, the quote unquote championship rounds, you know, six, seven, and eight, your brain is telling you to stop. Yep. You know, your brain, you're all of a sudden that, that part of your brain, that voice becomes really loud. And then as, as the trainer's yelling out the combinations, I'm having a hard time thinking about the combinations because your body's screaming at you. Your brain is screaming at you, but you're so right. When you're, when you're athletic performance, a lot of people can do, you know, the first three quarters of it, but that fourth quarter, man, when it really matters, can you push yourself and your brain past that, that loud, that loud side of your brain that's saying like, stop, it's fine. Take a break. You know, your body's screaming at you. You got to push through that. And your training does that. Yeah. And Ben, I think the last, especially five years, um, not only have I focused more on that recently, I almost consider myself now more of a mindset coach than a strength and conditioning coach. I realize in any aspect of life in business, as an entrepreneur, as an athlete, it's all about the mind game. It's about the headspace. I work with a lot of financial advisors, like high level financial advisors. 
it's headspace, man. It's that swag of how do you get your mind right? And it's no different. Like when you're, when you're tired, you're fatigued, or you, you know, been staring at, staring at a computer screen or you're, you, you know, you're content with it. Like headspace and mindset is everything. One of the guys I trained a UFC fighter named Mike Chandler. He's a lightweight uh, guy. I've been training for seven years. He's a great guy. Just fought for the belt a few, few months ago. He lost that. <laughs> he shows up on Monday on a phone, on his Instagram. And he's talking about bumps. I'm like, that's the mindset of a champion. Like to go live when you're all beat up. Like, yeah. like it's about the process of getting back up and training. Cause you talk about fighting and, and you, you know, your boxing workouts, there's nothing more indicative and reflective of life than a, a, you know, boxing training or MMA of like getting your tail whooped and getting back up and training or feeling like you've got, cotton mouth like you've never had before and training on that and pushing yourself because you can only go in life i believe as far as physically you've ever been pushed and, yeah. and I, again i don't care if you're if you're 40 you're 50 or you're 75 physically you got to be your best you have to be in great health great shape and as you get older obviously you you have to work around these different issues myself included i share that obviously and get your mind right um it's like mindset starts with the physical aspect of what are you doing to push yourself to to know levels and if you got an injury with your knee and figure out a way to get your upper body work you got something going on with your shoulder get worked on that with your doctor your physical therapist while you're working the lower body but the physical aspects of your health are imperative if you want to be your best in any walk of life well i know that we're probably this podcast specifically we're probably talking to more professional services people than we are professional athletes so mm -hmm. I'm going to gear I'm going to gear this question towards that that world. In your book you do talk about the importance of habits. And I know that there's got to be other the, the other things, but we're not I'm not asking about what's it take to be successful as a professional athlete. In your experience dealing with these people in your gym that are non-professional athletes but but still want to optimize not their body but their successes in life. What what do you think is the differentiator? in that in that regard like what sets some of these let's let's take it a high-end financial advisor what separates him or her from an average financial advisor that a, a person that comes into your gym i i love this wheelhouse talk because this is high performance and, and it starts with nutrition nutrition when you talk about high performers you got to eat to win you got to eat to win I'm like well what do i eat todd uh what do i eat well i i share in the book literally like things that you should eat and what you should not eat. But I also do believe just get right to the hacks is you get a naturopathic doctor or get tested and find out where you're at, get your blood drawn and find out where you're low and where you're high and then supplement on that. Supplements are not your answers. They're supplements to good nutrition. So hydration is crucial. What you're eating is crucial. And obviously your supplementation on top of that is absolutely uh, essential as well. So find out everything, hormones, where your hormones at, where your vitamins and your minerals, herbs, what do you need to get in your body? That's number one. Two is training because training wise, when you, tr when you are training consistently, I say most days of the week, you should be moving. That could be yoga one day. It doesn't have to be always you're killing yourself, but every day you're doing something to embedder your body physically, because when you're moving, that also entices you to want to eat better. It's like, oh, I don't want to, I, well, yeah, you got to start with your nutrition, but if you're not moving, then you're not as incentivized to actually eat well. So they go hand in hand, one's king, one's queen, uh, and you got to do them both on that. So the training aspect, most days of the week, you need to be training um, on that, along with training is recovery. And depending on your age, depending on your, your physical health, recovery is a huge, huge aspect. Last thing I'll say on that, Ben, is this, and this is huge because people are like, hey, Todd, tell me about your morning routine. I'm going to actually share with you my, my evening routine because most people, evening routines jacked up. They're on their phone till late at night. They're watching TV in bed. All the blue lights getting in there. They don't have a good evening routine. So I use a three, two, one routine, three, two, one. Three hours before bed, you eat dinner and that dinner needs to be you know, healthy. You need to have protein on there. You need to have a salad in there, uh, whether that's chicken, whether that's fish, whether that's beef, whatever you want. I would say the less legs it has, the better. Fish is better than chicken. Chicken is better than beef. No legs, two legs, four legs. So get some good protein uh, in all meals, especially that, that meal three hours before uh, you go to bed. Two hours before you go to sleep, 
do the math. If you go to bed at 10 o'clock, two hours before, before you go to bed, start shutting down work. I got a, I, I had a bad routine going even during the pandemic. I was like, man, I just snap my own band and get my mind right of working up until the, the moment I was falling in bed. But then all of a sudden your mind is racing. When your mind is racing, you can't sleep well. Sleeping mm -hmm. is when your growth hormone, testosterone, IGF-1 is being released. That's when your body can recover from the workouts that you have. So two hours shut down work, including the last hour, you amplify self-care. What does that mean? That could mean stretching for 10, 15 minutes. That could mean reading a good book uh, before you go to sleep. I like not digital books. I like old school books where you actually flip pages and, yeah, and same underline here. things and, and, and that. But you read a book, you can pray, you can get quiet time, uh, spend some time with your spouse, but it's not in bed on your phone or doing work um, or scrolling Instagram on that stuff, which all become habits. And then you can't sleep well because the blue light does affect your REM sleep. So the key is recovery and sleep. That starts with your nighttime routine, which allows you to wake up after six, seven, maybe eight hours of sleep to get up and get moving. So that sets your, your morning routine in motion. Yeah. And, and I, I am terrible at most of those, you know, I think I, I think I, I think I eat a, a good dinner and uh, I do realize that when I sleep the best, when it comes to food, you know, I, my, my, one of my biggest crutches is we have a popcorn maker in the basement and it's my baby. Like I know mm. it's like popcorn maker, coffee maker. Like those are the two, those are my two babies. Um, and I love making popcorn and my kids love yeah. it too. But you know, the nights I don't sleep very well, it's usually the night that I'm having popcorn at 10, 1030 at night, and we're watching a show or whatever. But when I eat, and I have that three to four hours of no food, and I go to bed, oh, man, I'm, that's like some of the deepest sleep I get. Um, the blue light thing, after again, after reading your book. Now on the front end, this is what I'm trying, this is what I'm trying to implement. First thing I do when I wake up in the morning is just like, just quickly check an email, quickly check whatever's going on. Mm -hmm. I'm going to stop doing that, man. Like I'm, I'm with you. I get, I, I get sucked in even in the morning. Like I don't, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm going to start instilling some of the things that you talked about. Like first hour of your day, just get up and get going. Don't look at your phone. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So, so a lot of those things, um, I, I'm, I'm with you on. And I think that's, that's a, there's a rule. If there's one thing, Ben, I, I, I feel you on everything, but I learned a few years ago, this is crucial for me. My morning routine, like when I'm dialed in my morning routine, I'm golden. Like it's gonna be a good day. As long as I have my, I call it my holy hour. If I got my holy hour, man, it doesn't matter. I'm prepared for the battles that I'm gonna face every single day. And if, if by chance I break my first of 13 rules, I have 13 rules for living. If I turn my phone on before I do my morning routine, I'm done. So I, my number one rule is don't turn the phone on until after the morning routine is done. Why? My phone gives me anxiety. Yes. It really does. And, I, and I'm not, I, it gives me anxiety. Tweets coming through, texts coming through, Instagram. I'm checking my Instagram. All of a sudden, 15, 20, 30 minutes has gone by. I'm checking emails. I'm like, wait a second. The day has just dominated me. It's kicked my butt. Instead of me taking care of me first thing in the morning when I can get my quiet time, do a little bit of journaling, get my mind right, sip on a little pre-workout, get ready for my, I have a home gym, start to get rocking and rolling in there, walk the pup. If I do my routine and I'm fueled up and then I start checking this up, man, I'll crush it. But if I turn that phone on, game over, I lost. And then the day just <laughs> go downhill from there. I've done and experienced all of those things. Me too. All I of those things. Every now and then, as I'm saying, I if I flip that green switch on before I start my routine, I'm done. It sucks me in. The phone is the devil, man. <laughs> I know. I know. The only the only thing that I allow myself to do that I and I just started this routine after reading your book is like, all right, I'll allow myself to turn on Spotify because if I'm going to get my workout in, I'll turn my I'll turn Spotify or some sort of music yeah. thing on and yeah, get yeah. it playing. But I'm not, I'm not touching it. the mail icon. I'm not touching the Instagram icon. I'm not touching Twitter. <laughs> like Instagram sucks me in always. Yeah. It does. I'm like, don't get on the IG in the morning. So same yeah. thing with the music or a podcast. 
Um, I'll get rock and roll, but man, I cannot be getting into the the emails and the texts and the yeah. and the DMs going on. It's like, man, I I before you know it, you've lost twenty minutes, maybe an hour. Oh but yeah, yeah, at least. It's like what well, twenty minutes. The hardest part about the morning routine is starting it, like sitting down. And, and either open, you know, getting in the word or opening up a journal or going out and, and, and starting the workout. Once you start, I'm cool. All right. Hardest part starting. I would say the gym here, hardest part about the, you know, the, the heaviest weight at the gym is the front door. It's like getting there, open the door. Once you're in, we're good. Just got to get in there. God, open the that's, door. that's so true, man. It's so true. Just putting your shoes on to go for a run. Your shoes are like the heavy, it's like cement blocks. You're like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. <laughs> it's still, it's the, it's again, it goes back to the mindset. The mental part goes back to habits and disciplines. And when you talk about some of those athletes, even yourself, Ben, you had a habit. Why is it we get a little slack after our, our playing careers are done? Whether that be high school, you hung it up or after college or at pros, whatever. It's all about habits and disciplines. Find like, I have what's called the WLWB. When life works best, when life works best, what are you doing? Write it down. When life works best, what are you doing? What do you, here are the habits I'm doing. Here's who I'm hanging out with. Here's who I'm not hanging out with. Here's what I'm eating. Here's what I'm not eating. Develop your WLWB when life works best list. Here's what I'm doing. Do those things. And the more you do them, all of a sudden you start getting more success. You start like getting that swag back. Start feeling like yourself again. Start feeling more energy again. And to me, it comes down to disciplines and the habits, the same things I'm, I'm doing for my, my athletes or my clients, my members, the same things I'm trying to do for myself so that we can be the best we can be. Yeah. Well, this was one of the best podcasts I've done. And, and, and thank you. Uh, so again, all you listeners out there, uh, the latest book, Get Your Mind Right, The 10 Keys to Unlock Your Potential, Ignite Your Success uh, with my, my great friend. And you guys can all understand by listening to Todd Durkin why... I worked out with him. Why I would go to Fitness Quest 10 on five days a week uh, to train with you. So it's great to see you. Thank you so, so much. And um, if, if by chance you are doing a speaking circuit anywhere in the Twin Cities, I'm your guy. I'll be there. I'll help you promote whatever you need to get promoted out there. I know you probably won't need much promotion. It'll sell out. But uh, you let me know if you're going to be in the area. Ben, I appreciate it. I thank you for everything that you're doing for not only Minnesota, because I watch you on the social media uh, as well and see what you're doing with the Vikings. Um, but throughout throughout the land, man, you're, you're putting out great messages and even this podcast getting out to people from all over the globe uh, on this stuff. It's a great message. I've always loved your work ethic and, and working with you in our deep discussions because You've always been a deep dude, and it's great to see you now <laughs> even going beyond football and impacting men and women uh, in all aspects of life. And I think I think we need more of this kind of talk of just like, what do we need to do to operate our best self? So, Ben, thank you for that. And I will hit you up. My son is probably going to have some football games up in Minnesota, uh, as we were talking about here. And that yeah, new playing St. Thomas from Dave Thomas will be up, up there in that new Pioneer League that they just joined. So I'm excited and I, I need to visit Minnesota anyway. Yeah, you need to you need to come up here only in the summertime or or fall, you know, when football season's going on. But um, yeah, St. Thomas does not play in a dome. They do not play at US Bank Stadium. So you're gonna yeah, I'm a huge fan, by the way, of of your University of Minnesota football coach, uh, oh, yeah. PJ Flett. Man, I've I've listened to some of his podcasts. Unbelievable! You talk about leadership and positivity and enthusiasm. Uh, lo love listening to his his stuff, and I know he's going to be a key part to the uh, success of of the Golden Gophers, also. Yeah. No. Yeah. Thank you for. I'm 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 saying thanks. You don't have to. You know, I don't have to say thank you, but I I agree with you that mm. he is. Um, I think he's the real deal. I think he's genuine. I think that they're when he first came out. You know, all this, you know, raw, raw stuff. I think a lot of people kind of gave him the side eye, like, is this for real or is this just like a pitch? And after all these years later, no, this dude's for real. Like talking to his players in that locker room, they all feel like it's real. And if yeah. they feel like it's real and on the daily, then it's probably real. So, um, yeah, he's doing great stuff. But anyway, I know you've got to go. Uh, it's ToddDurkin.com for everything that we've just talked about and, and, and to get your mind right. And, uh, dude, Todd, it's great to see you. Thank you so much. Ben, thank you, brother. All right. See you, bud. Peace.
Thank you all so much for spending some time with me on Unrestricted, for uh, hanging out with Todd Durkin and I. I do want to thank Todd once again for giving up his valuable time for us here on Unrestricted. You can go to toddurkin.com to find out everything that he's doing, order uh, all three of his books, find out where he's speaking next, and uh, just generally get motivated uh, by his messages. It's toddurkin.com. I also want to thank Douglas and Todd Bourbon. Go to douglasandtodd.com and also previmedica.com. It's Ben-20 for 20% off of your order. Uh, And I want to thank you guys as the fans for sticking with me, sticking by me, uh, liking this podcast, subscribing to this podcast, and giving me all that valuable feedback. So thank you all. Thank you, Dave Yeager, for putting all this together. And I hope you guys have a wonderful, wonderful week. We'll talk to you next one. Bye.